Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. So we're in this series called A Better Story and when I, when, when I came in uh, to Gateway and I heard about this series, I got really excited because this is my heart. This is, this is the gospel story. The story of Jesus is the story that you want to be a part of. Because the reality is we are surrounded by stories. There are stories everywhere. And in fact, more, more importantly and more deeply than that, you are actually formed by stories. If I can say it like this, you are the stories that you tell. And the way that you tell them and the way that you understand your life story to this point will determine who you are. We are formed by these stories. And, and this is true as individuals, we are the stories that we tell of ourselves and, and of our lives and then of our family's lives. But it's also true when you find yourself a part of a community. The Redlands campus has a story. It's three years in the making. And these are stories that I've been told over these last two and a half weeks. The story of Gateway more broadly, Holland Park Baptist into, into Gateway um, over at McKenzie and then the expansion to camps. This is a story that has formed who we are as a people. And people come in and they experience something about that's unique to Gateway because of the story that has shaped us as a, as a church and as a community. We are the stories that we tell. We are formed by stories. This is so true. But a story that doesn't get much airtime outside of this context is the story that is dominant and the story that is ultimate, the one story that is eternal and true. And for all the stories that are being written and told throughout the world, the one story that will actually lead, uh, that is leading humanity towards its ultimate destination is the story of Jesus. It's the story of God. It's the story of the way God has interacted with humanity from creation through covenant, through the, fall, through the fall, then the covenant, then Jesus, and then the church, and then the fulfillment and the restoration of this planet and of the universe. That's the story that cannot be derailed. That's the story that is dominant and true and ultimate. And if we can think about this whole idea of stories like this, let, let, me give, let me give you what I think is a good definition of sin in the context of what I'm saying and what this series has been about. I think where sin starts to sprout in our lives is when we say, I want to be the author of my own story. I want to determine my own story. I want to be the one who writes the details. I want to be the one who sets the course. I don't want to be a part of some other person's story. I don't want to be a part of certainly God's story. I want to be the one who determines where my story is going to go. And if you're sick of me saying the word story, I'm going to keep going. Every other story in the world emphasizes that this should be the way that we live our lives. You should determine your own story. You should make your own impact on the world. And I think when this starts to happen, when we start to do this, this, this is what's actually at the heart of what it means to sin. Because what can happen when, we, when you look at the world and the, and the state that the world is in right now, we are seeing the clash of so many different stories. And when stories clash, it can get really ugly. Like think of your favorite sports team, <laughs> to give you a bit of a nicer example. I, I always, I love to back the underdog, but I also love the story behind a sporting uh, team or individual winning on the day, the story that is behind that. And if you think of the code that you like right now, whether it's NRL or A-League or, or AFL or whatever it is, 
the team you support has a story and that you want that story to be fulfilled in a grand final. But they will clash up against, in the case of the sport I love, 17 other stories that are being written. And when those stories clash, it can get ugly and people get upset and people get, you know, annoyed and passionate and all that sort of stuff. But more seriously, if you think of things like politics, stories clashing when it comes to politics. Whatever party you support, and no one's going to talk about that here, are we? But whatever party you support, that party has a story. And they have a story that they want to write for our, for our area or for our state or for our nation. And we want that story to be written. We want that story to be the one that is dominant in our country. And so we vote and we passionately support the political party that we love. But then on the other hand, you've got this other political party that wants to write their story. And don't we see these stories clashing all the time? in our nation right now, or in other nations. We don't have to look too hard to see that. And then we see nations clashing, the story of nations clashing and how two nations can fight over the same area or, or whatever it be for, for world dominance or whatever, it, whatever the case may be, these nations clash and often that's because they want the world's story to be about them. Often the undertone to those nations stories clashing is a, is a religious story as well. And if you look at what's happening uh, in the Middle East at the moment, you know, this, this whole idea of who, who belongs where and who owns the land and whose story is true. Because your story of, where, of, of your claim on the land clashes with my story of my claim on the land and then you get war and you get violence and you get death. And everyone seeking to write their own story can lead to destruction and pain death and then there's the stories that Jesus told and one of the stories he told was actually I think a clashing of two stories and it's a story that you may be familiar with a story of two brothers in fact it's probably a story of two stories let me read it to you it's in Luke 15 and we'll start in verse 1 now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I want to, I want to pause at this point to just, so we can just pay attention to who is listening to Jesus as he tells some stories. Who is listening? There's two really main groups here that you can sort of categorize any, any one of the listeners into. You've got the tax collectors and the sinners. And then you've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So the tax collectors and the sinners would have been, well, tax collectors, but the sinners would have been like all those people who had not aligned with the law of God and had made decisions in their life that had moved them outside of, of normal Jewish behaviour. And then you've got these, these people who claim to perfect all of that, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious leadership, the ones who felt that their lives were perfect, who, who felt through their efforts, through their religious efforts, had reached some level of righteousness. You could not have got a more diverse group of people listening to this one story, this, these, these stories that Jesus was telling. So to understand why Jesus told a story, it's important to understand, well, who's he telling the story to? And that helps us to understand what his point might be. And that'll be important as we work through. So Jesus tells a couple of stories uh, about a lost sheep and some, a lost coin, but then he gets into this third story in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I'm just going to pause at that point halfway through the story. It's so clear that the younger brother made a decision that he wanted to be the author of his own story. He wanted to be in control. He wanted to live life the way that he wanted to live it. He said, I want to define my own identity. I don't want these things around me to define my identity anymore. I want to discover myself. I want to discover who I am by going out and doing what I think will bring satisfaction and fulfillment. You see, the younger brother took everything that made him who he was and exchanged it for what he thought would bring him satisfaction and fulfillment. And what I see so much in this ancient story is so much of what's happening in 2021 in the world. This is, this is the secular narrative. This is the story of the world that says, write your own story. The journey to fulfillment and satisfaction is, is understanding who you are and defining your own identity. And once you find that, live it out and you will have freedom and satisfaction and fulfillment. You see, for so much of human history, our identity and who we are has been defined by external factors. The family you were born into, their socioeconomic status, their career, what they did. If you're in a family of farmers, guess what? You would probably be a farmer. And that's been the story for most of human history. External factors defined identity. What we're seeing though now in 2021 is your identity is decided internally. I will define my own self. I will, I will find my own identity within myself. I'll decide on what it is. You can, all of the external stuff I don't care about, I'm going to find it within me and then I'm going to live that out. And if you tell me that I can't live it out the way that I want to live it out, well, you're a bigot. That's how the world seems to be operating. Write your own story, discover your own identity and when you do, live it out and you will find freedom, fulfillment and satisfaction. The problem is we get those clashing of stories that I talked about earlier. The, sec- the secular story, I think, says it, when you look at it in a communal aspect, when you look at it from that communal uh, uh, vantage point, you see people saying, we can reach utopia if everyone lives like this. We can have, they wouldn't use this language, but we can have the kingdom of God without the king. We can discover utopia and this perfect world if we just allow people to discover who they are and have the freedom to live it out. 
But this story is falling apart. You see, with the younger brother, it wasn't anything within his control that led, led to him starving. There was a famine in the land. We, we've just had a pandemic. Have you heard about it? And things are falling apart. And pe- people outside of your own control is affecting their own individual story. And this whole, uh, this whole secular story of find your own identity within yourself is falling apart. People are holding on tight, but generally... Is falling apart. And just like the younger brother at that point found himself in a hole with the life he chose, not delivering the results he expected, we were seeing desperation descend. And for him, desperation descended. And his only alternative was to go back home and plead with his father that he'd hire him as a hired hand. I think, I think the younger brother would, t- would tell us today that this actually started off really well for me. I was enjoying life, wild living, who wouldn't? <laughs> Anyone want to live wildly here this morning? Living wildly? It sounds, well, maybe I shouldn't say it sounds good because I'm the pastor, but anyway. I think he made a, he, it, it made a good start, but, but actually the reality is the younger brother's life began to fragment the moment he left his father's house. That's when it began to fall apart. I think, as I I said, this is what's happening in our world today. People's lives are fragmenting as they've bought into this secular story. I can write my own story. And as this begins to happen, what will will people start to do? Where will they turn? For some, I I believe with all my heart that there's going to be this longing to reconnect with something that they've probably never even thought of, and that's a desire to be back once again in their father's house. And there's going to be a spiritual thirst and hunger developing. And it's developing now. And people are going to be looking. And I wonder if the younger brother, as he came to his senses, he, was, he probably wasn't even thinking of being in his father's house again. But I wonder if he thought of another bloke who lived in the same household when he used to live there. I wonder if he thought of his older brother. And I wonder if he wondered what, he might, what sort of reception he might get for him. Because you see, the father's heart is remarkable in the moment that he sees his younger son coming back. The, the father gets up off the, off the veranda and I, I get the sense that he's, he's scanning the horizon constantly waiting for that day when his younger son will return. When he sees him, and I, I think if, you've, if you know a bit about this story, you know that it's not kosher for a Jewish father to run because he would have worn big heavy garments, had to lift up his skirts, expose his bare legs and run. That just wasn't the, thing, the done thing. But such as his passion and excitement to see his son return, he runs to meet him, interrupts his speech, puts a ring on his finger, which is like the insignia to say, you are my son, what's this hired hand business? No, you are my son, I'm reinstating you into the family and we're having a party because of this. This is the heart of the father when the younger son comes back into the father's house. But then Jesus goes on with the story and we meet the older brother. Just a little thing I want to say that's really important here to understand before we get into the, the story of the older brother, just a little bit of information. What would usually happen with two sons and a father who was wealthy is he'd divide, when we read in the earlier bit, he divided his wealth among his sons. The older son would have got two thirds of the wealth and the younger son would have got one third. So when, when the younger son said, I want to go, and the father said, okay, he left with one third of all the wealth. That's a big chunk. Imagine one third of your finances and your resources gone. It's, it's a pretty big blow, right? When he comes back, the older brother's frustration would be, he's now getting a third of the two thirds that's remaining. 
So there's a massive sacrifice here for the older brother. Like, that, that's a bit frustrating. Just, just think of that. If you had a third gone, and then that person who took the third came back, and you had to give him another third of the two-thirds remaining. Are you tracking with the maths here? I'm barely tracking, but I think I get it. So there's a lot of frustration here in the oldest son. Let's pick it up in verse 25. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. They'd started the party already without him. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I want to read that in a real whingy tone like I hear from my kids sometimes. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And that's where Jesus ends the story. Don't you want to know what happened next? Don't you want to know what the older brother did? Jesus ends the story there. All appearances prior to this would have revealed that the older brother was a really, really good son. Always did what the father wanted. Who loves kids like that? He, he, he was looking spotless. He worked hard. He was completely obedient. He contributed to the growth of the, of the family's wealth. All of the father's household and all of his prosperity, the older brother would have been a really hardworking, obedient, older brother. But revealed in this little story that Jesus tells about this older brother, we realize pretty quickly that he actually wanted exactly what the younger brother wanted, the father's stuff. The younger brother said, give it to me now. The older brother said, I'm going to work hard, but I'm going to get it one day. Neither brothers were interested in the father. Both of them just wanted his stuff. The younger brother got it in a really, really bad way. The older brother got it in a very, very good way. The heart of the older brother is revealed here, though. He had no interest in his... He's, he's nothing like his father. Even though he's working hard for what the father is on about, his heart was so far misaligned with the father's heart. Don't you understand, says the father to the son. Don't you understand what's going on here? My heart is rejoicing that my son has returned and yours is angry. And this is the heart of the older brother. I think, I think we can actually, some of us resonate with the older brother because we feel like we've put God in our debt through our religious fervor, through our attendance at prayer meetings, through our, through our work in the church, through our commitment to ministry, our commitment to read scripture. We, we feel that there's actually what's going on here is a, an interest in the father's blessing rather than the father himself. And I think this is revealed in, in, in this thing. I love this phrase, either being angry at thee or angry at me when things go wrong. Because if, if life goes bad and we're like the older brother, either God has done something wrong or I've done something wrong. 
I've messed up. There is no sense of life just happens. It's no, there's got to be a reason for this because this is, this is causing uh, dissonance in my mind. The other thing that happens with the older brother in, in this attitude that's going on is he makes his younger brother the enemy. He makes his younger brother the enemy completely misaligning with the father's heart. And here we get this clash of stories. The younger brother going and living, living wildly, but then coming to his senses and coming back to the father and being welcomed and loved. That's the younger brother's story. The older brother's story is working hard for the father's stuff, but not getting a party, being angry at the younger brother and they become enemies. The other little thing that I, th- I think is revealed here in Jesus' brilliant story in this clash of stories is notice that the older brother says, you never even gave a young goat for me and my friends. My friends, there's something about stories when we start to relate to each other and have a similar story, we start to huddle together. So you, not, not, not when we think of the political thing earlier, there's no one person in politics who, who, who writes that story. It's a group of people, a community of people who all agree about the way the story should go and they make people who have different stories the enemy. It's exactly what the older brother is doing with his friends. He's got a group of friends who think like him and act like him and he says, these are my friends, why didn't we get a party? I love what Tim Keller says here, if a group believes God favours them because of their particularly true doctrine, their attitude towards those without these things can be hostile. Their self-righteousness hides under the claim that they are only opposing the enemies of God. What about our enemy is not flesh and blood? (laughs) It's powers and principalities. So people who... Birds of a feather flock together. You get the same story and you start to group together. And, and this is where Jesus, I think, in not finishing the story, is showing who this story is actually for. It's for the community who are present listening, who are like the older brother, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who think that because of their self-righteousness, they've earned the blessing and favour of God. And he leaves the story open-ended in, in a display of grace. Because it's like an invitation to say, you're like the older brother, you Pharisees and you teachers of the law. But here the father stands saying, come into the party. And the grace that the father shows to the younger brother displayed in his outrageous running to meet him and, and passionate embrace is also shown to the older brother when he says, my son, don't you understand? There's no condemnation to either son, but invitation and welcome and hospitality. And the question this morning for you, is your heart aligned with your father? Or are the younger brother types your enemies? This is so easy in the church that as as we get together and we think about our allegiances to doctrine or to political parties or to whatever our story might be collectively as a people, the people who have different stories who clash, we can so easily make them our enemies. And if we make them our enemies, they are not going to feel welcome to walk into our gatherings. The younger brother would have dreaded going back to encounter his older brother again. And if his older brother had his way, the younger brother would have never come home. Never come home. Are we, as the Redlands campus, are we a home where younger brothers can feel confident to walk into. I think we are, by the way. (laughs) 
It's been my experience of Gateway so far, but we, we can always, always grow in this. The younger brother and the older brother, their stories made them enemies. But there are a lot of similarities going on between the younger brother and the older brother. As I've said already, both wanted the father's stuff. They just went about it in a completely different way. And every, everybody who has been born on this earth has something of the father's stuff. All of us go, I want to write my own story. I want to go and do things my way. Some of us realise that the way to God's blessing might be to work hard in, in religious fervour and, and do all the things that, that the Bible says we should do in order to put, out, to put God in our debt. But both motivations are the Father's stuff. Both brothers sought to be their own saviour. The both of them wanted to write their own story, be the author of their own story. Neither of them, neither of them had any trust in the Father. The younger brother shows it in a moment where he comes to his senses. He doesn't show any, show any trust in his father because what his expectation is, maybe, maybe my father will give me a job as a hired hand. There's no trust. There's no relationship. There's no understanding of who his father is. And the older brother, of course, we see just completely misaligned with the father's heart. But then both of them, in very different ways, experience the grace of the father. For the younger brother, it's the father running to meet him. For the older brother, it's the father going out of the house to plead with him. Please come into the party. Here's the kicker though. I think this can be a kick in the guts to those of us who maybe relate more to the older brother. If you look at the ministry of Jesus that is recorded in the Gospels, Jesus tend to attract and hang out far more with younger brother types but always found himself in dangerous arguments with older brother types. That's profound. If, if, if Redlands Campus becomes an older brother club, we move away from the heart of Jesus. If we become a place where younger brothers don't feel welcome and loved and welcome into the table, we're, we're dissonant with the heart of Jesus because his ministry attracted younger brother types, but it repelled and angered older brother types. With the, the secular story of personal freedom and self-satisfaction failing, younger brothers, I believe again with all my heart that younger brother types are going to be looking to the church and looking to the Bible and looking to what they understand of God. They're going to be looking to that to, to seek after that to try and find if this is the thing that will bring me the satisfaction that I'm lacking. I believe that's going to happen. The question for us as Gateway Redlands Campus is, are we going to be a place where those younger brothers feel welcomed and loved? And I hope the answer is a resounding yes, that we celebrate when they come home. I want to finish by offering you a third story about a third brother. It's not in the story that Jesus told, in fact, he never told a story about the better brother, the better older brother. But I'm going to extrapolate it from Scripture and tell it to you anyway. And I think of John 1, the little opening in John's Gospel from verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If I can say this, he put a ring on their finger. He put a robe on their back. He got the fattened calf out and he celebrated those who received him. This is the story of the better older brother. This is the one who said, the son of man, Jesus himself said, I've come to seek and save the lost. He said, the thief only comes to kill and destroy and steal. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is, this is the better older brother. And this is a bold claim in this world of clashing stories because Jesus is saying then, and he's saying to us now, the fulfillment in life doesn't come from separation from God. Fulfillment and satisfaction and security in life does not come from seeking to write your own story. It only comes, it only comes through being swept up in my story, says Jesus. That's a bold and arrogant claim if you let it be, but it's a better story. Jesus would say it doesn't come either from self-determined religious fervor, trying to earn God's love and favor through your own effort or your own list of perfect doctrine or your own vote or whatever it is. That it doesn't come from that. It only comes from being in my Father's house. It only comes through just trusting in Jesus. It only comes through repenting of yourself, your self-authorship and putting your trust in Jesus, in his words, his works and his ways to stop being the author of your own story and say, Jesus, I want to let you define who I am. I want to let you write my story. You see, I I think if Jesus did write himself into this, this parable, this story that he told, I reckon he would cast himself as the better, older brother. This is an older brother, Jesus, who wouldn't stay at home working hard for the Father's approval. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be coping with the loss of his, of his wealth caused by the younger brother by hating his younger brother and glad that he's gone and hoping he never comes back. This would not have been the better older brother. Now he, he'd write himself into the story as the older brother who leaves the father's house to go and find his younger brother. And when he found him in the pit, when he found him in the field of pigs, he picks him up on his shoulder and he speaks life into him. He speaks love into him. He would have written himself into the, into the story as the son whose heart was so aligned with his father that he left his father's house and went and found his younger brother who was lost. And he would have brought him home. And as that, as that younger son is on his shoulder or being carried or may, may have walked himself as they're walking back, I don't know what would have happened. But the younger brother all the way is going, what, what's the father, what, what's, what's dad going to say? I've stuffed up, I've stuffed up so bad. What's dad going to say? He's not going to welcome me. Maybe, maybe I could ask to be a hide hand. Jesus is the better older brother. Going, no, no, you don't understand. From the day you left, he's been waiting for you to come back. And I know there's going to be a party when we get home. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about what sort of reception you're going to get because you're only going to get love and reinstatement into the family. And I know this because I know my father's heart. This would have been the better older brother written into the story if Jesus would write himself into it. Jesus would be so gracious to him. And then I think Jesus as well, like the father, would have gone out to the older brother as well and tried to explain to him that exactly what the father said. Come into the party. Don't you understand what's going on here? Please come in. 
And as much as Jesus got into fights and arguments with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, his heart was for them to come into the party. His heart for them was to repent of their self-authorship, to repent of writing their own story through religious fervor and doing everything right by God. His heart was to see them come into the party aligned with their father's heart, asking for, for the father to put his heart in them and celebrate when younger brothers come home. And that is Jesus' vision for his church, that his church would be a house where younger brothers are welcome. In life, I reckon we kind of default to one or the other in our own selves. And you'll know your default reaction because I think this happens especially when we're under stress and 2020 has been a year of significant stress maybe you're in that season right now of stress relating to something that's going on in your life at the moment and and you can default to the younger brother or you can default to the older brother you can turn to things in your life that you think will bring you satisfaction and and, and peace and, and some kind of fulfillment in the midst of that stress through doing all these things that you know aren't good for you an awareness that you're self-authoring your life and you've got that younger brother heart. Maybe you find yourself this morning in that hole. It wouldn't be a field of pigs, but whatever your field of pigs might be, you're here this morning in a hole. Maybe for you, there's a default to the older brother attitude that this morning you're aware of your drift away from the father's heart. There are people out there. There are people out there in the world who you look on with disdain and you would not welcome them into the Father's house. You wouldn't welcome them into your own house. I think what Jesus would say to you this morning is, please come, repent and join the party. Ask the Father to change your heart to be more like His. By way of response this morning, I want to talk to the younger brothers and the older brothers and invite you both into the Father's house. If you're a younger brother who's been out there seeking to write your own story, living your way, thinking that this is going to be what gives me fulfillment and satisfaction, know that you can only find it in the Father's house. If you're like the older brother thinking that your religious fervor and your getting things right will be what earns your place in the Father's house, no, come in and celebrate the love the Father has for you because everything He has is yours. I want to pray for younger brothers and for older brothers and then we're going to sing and I'm just going to invite you after that to respond so let me pray Holy Spirit may my words end here and may you begin to work Holy Spirit to show us where we're at whether it's in the hole or out in the Father's field either either in either place misaligned with your heart not understanding who you are that Jesus you as the better older brother would come and speak life into us speak love and welcome into our ears into our hearts to invite us into the Father's house speak Holy Spirit now For the younger brother, he, we're told he, he came to his senses and he did something that he chose to do. He got up out of that field and walked back into his father's house. And I wonder if 
in light of that this morning, if you feel like you resonate with the younger brother this morning, just you're getting up out of the field and walking back to the Father's house, let, let, it, let it be shown right now just by standing to your feet right now. Just to say, yep, I'm, an, I'm a younger brother and I want to be back in my Father's house. Just stand to your feet right now. the older brother the invitation was there from Jesus it's, it's there from Jesus in the telling of the story and it's there from the father the choice though was with the person it wasn't God forcing or, or strong, strong arming them back into the house it was this invitation it required an active response and if you resonate more deeply with the, with the older brother this morning as a show of your response to say, yes, I want to step back into the Father's house. I don't want to stay out in the field. I don't want to stay in this place of self-authoring my life through religious devotion and getting all those things right and getting my doctrine all sorted and making enemies of other people. But I want to be back in my Father's house to show that step. Would you stand to your feet right now? we thank you for this beautiful story that above all else shows the heart that you have for humanity the reality is that all of us have wandered all of us have sought to self-author our story all of us have wandered from our father's house in one way or another but in this story your heart is revealed your heart for your children is revealed and for those who are standing God, I pray that they would hear the voice of the Father in their ears right now. For the younger brother, I celebrate you. I love you and I welcome you into my house. Now, forget about all those speeches. Forget about all those things where you want to, where you want to justify and, and, and try and seek your way to, to, to come back. No, you're at the table. I put a ring on your finger and I put a robe on your back and I say, you are my son, you are my daughter with you. I'm well pleased because you've come back to me. And for the older brothers who are standing, God, let them hear your voice of saying, don't just understand this. My heart is to celebrate my children who were lost, but now are found. And I invite you to repent and come in to my house and celebrate with me. Let me put my heart in you. Let me put my goodness and my grace into you so you can be more and more like me. And for those who are standing or those who didn't quite find their feet this morning, let them hear the Father's voice saying those things. We pray in the name of our better, older brother, Jesus, who came, left the Father's house to seek us out and find us and bring us back into the Father's house. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful. And as everyone stands to their feet, if you agree with the prayer that I've prayed, let me hear you say amen. Let's sing together.
We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.